Today I begin the um, Lessons from the Trail series. Uh, some of you may be new to that. Each spring I go hiking a section of the Appalachian Trail and, and I don't tell you any stories about it until we get to August and I form a uh, lesson series, sermons, from those experiences, of course, some scripture as well. And uh, this particular year, just to let you know, I'm going to use the word we a lot of times. Most of the time it was only me because I walked alone. This time Andy Lehman, who is the pastor at the Gateway United Methodist Church uh, in Effingham County, was my partner. Now, I enjoyed having Andy with me. Uh, good to have another United Methodist pastor to travel with me. Only he's 19 years younger than me and he was six foot three. Uh, <laughs> I know, a Mutt and Jeff variety, but he was a wonderful partner in it, and I, we thoroughly enjoyed the time together. And I'll hopefully in the next few weeks as we share about it, it'll uh, open your eyes, not to necessarily being on a mountaintop, but certainly experiencing God's presence through all of that. I believe that's the most important. As I looked at the scriptures today and uh, prayed over them, researched, read through them, it was the second one that made me feel most uncomfortable because it says that I, as your pastor, am responsible to equip you. It doesn't uh, give me any leeway in there about excuses such as, well, uh, what if you don't want me to? Uh, what if that, the idea really doesn't interest you at all at this particular moment? Uh, what should I do? It doesn't answer those kind of questions. It simply says that there is a responsibility. I don't believe it's limited to a pastor only. It really is about leadership in the church and others. So it gets a lot broader than that. But it says equipping the saints for us is important to do. We need to know how important that is. Maybe, if nothing else, most of all, this sermon is about how important it is. We'll get to all the how we do it as well, but it's how important so that you'll know you need to give it the energy and attention that requires. Even as we are preparing for uh, our school-aged children, soon college students, be back in classrooms, uh, we think about the preparation for that that's been underway or is now happening and we're thankful because we believe it is important for them. We have to believe it is important. What does it mean to be equipped to be a follower of Jesus Christ? I found that equipped is more than about having equipment, you know, some object or article that you might want to use. Uh, it's also about the right time when you have the things you need and the right circumstances in which you can use them, and knowing how to make use. All of those come into play when we talk about what does it mean for us to be equipped as Christians. When I uh, go hiking every year, uh, one of those, it, it really, the planning begins much earlier. In fact, I have my dates on the calendar for next year. About six weeks before I'm going, I pull out my gear laying it on one of the beds we don't use, and just let it stay there. I'll walk in and out of the room over the next few weeks, putting some things in a pile to go, some things in a pile not to carry. I'll dicker over it for a while, pulling some back and forth between them. I'll pack it and unpack it two or three times, weigh it two or three times. All of that's about deciding what is the necessary equipment. What is it that you most need to take? And I began to think about uh, what is the equipment that is ours? How are we equipped 
uh, to be the people that God desires of us as followers of Jesus. And I begin, first of all, that faith is essential part of the equipment. That is, of course, something which God gives to us and we choose to exercise. In specific, it's our faith in Jesus. We believe that he is the Son of God, whom God sends into the world for us. And by his life and death and resurrection, there is a new life for you and me and God desires for all of us. That is the beginning Part of it, of our essential equipment, is about knowledge. It says in our first reading that the scriptures are what we contains, what we need is essential for our salvation. It is a tool for us. Knowing the Bible is a way we know God's will for us and for the world we're about. We learn the story of God at work and know that he is always writing a new chapter and we are a part of it. And a part of that uh, preparation, a part of our equipment, is being a part of the fellowship of faith. Know that we're not intended to be loners on the journey, simply doing what we can do best by ourselves, but together as the church. And it is Jesus' idea. He created the church knowing we needed it. And then we also know that we, to be effective as a church, must have a need that we are meeting I said to you last week, two things are necessary for the church to exist. That is the love of God, of Jesus in a heart. And then human need where it may express itself. You put those together and you have the church. There is part of the equipment. That's something that you will hear week in and out in some form in the life and ministry of this church about equipment and being equipped for the faith. Now let's talk for a minute about how you know it's important. I really found out when I didn't have something I needed. And I'm really meticulous about picking out what I'm carrying and what I eliminated. And this week, this year, trying to be as conservative as I could because uh, Andy and I walked through the White Mountains in New Hampshire. That is the most difficult rated part of the trail. Uh, most of it is 4,000 feet and higher. Uh, the weather is much cooler even though we went in the middle of May. I had the equipment, I had a whole year to get ready for it, plan for it, <clears throat> um, but you know, sometimes in the past, I've actually left behind uh, some pretty important things, not just this time, but one year, I remember going, and I, I carried a walking stick with me at that point, I got to the place where I would finish, and I had a, a person who would shuttle me back to my start, and when I got out of my car, I picked up my pack, but I left my walking stick there, and there it remained for 10 days till I got back to the car. I mean, it didn't come to me. No one else brought me another one or anything. It simply was that. It was a nice walking stick, by the way, but it really does you no good if you leave it in the car. I found that out. That's one of those times I left something. The very first experience, I went not knowing what I should about foot preparation. I did not have any sock liners and if you don't do that, you pay for it real quickly uh, because your feet will get blisters day one. And it only got worse from that point. I remember uh, one time I decided I would conserve by not carrying a map. I would only carry the necessary pages from my guidebook. After all, it told you in detail where water was and things were along the trail. That was a pretty good idea until about day three it rained and the pages got soaked. And I walked for the next eight days with absolutely nothing to tell me where, where I was going other than the paint marks on the trees. 
I did not make that mistake another year. That was one, one time where that was enough. I've got double of everything when it comes to giving me directions. And I thought about uh, numbers of times, several years, the shoes I had on really were not the right size. You should buy bigger shoes so your feet could span that. Those are some things in the past I realized that I was not equipped right, and I paid the price for it, but nothing quite like this year. It was the first day. The first day you're always feel full of energy because you've eaten well beforehand. You're excited about the journey. Uh, you're ready. You've been talking about it. You're, you're, you're up for it, you know. We knew it was going to be a long 10 miles. Now, I walked 20 miles in the first day before. I thought, 10 miles, you know, I don't care. You know, that can't be bad. Even if it's high up, we still get there easy enough. And it was really pretty good. First uh, four and a half miles, it was really good because uh, we had the energy. It was steep going up, but we weren't in a hurry after all. We only had 10 miles to go. We had all day to do it. And we got to the top of the mountain with not too much trouble. Uh, and there we were sitting on the top. It was cold. I mean, it was well below freezing. The wind was blowing at about 30 miles an hour. And we met some people already who were on the trail. And that's when a guy walked front and across in front of us and uh, looking at us and talked to us a few minutes and said, do you have any uh, microspikes? I see you don't have them on. I said, well, no, no, no one ever told us about micro. What are they anyway? He said, well, you'll find out. And so what we did is we began to walk along that part of the trail and discovered that uh, there was ice on the trail. I didn't think in the middle of May I would ever have trouble with ice. Now, I've hiked in March and April before in other sections and would go across patches and frozen creeks and things like that. You know, a few feet to a few yards, never miles of it before. So much ice that it's not just uh, in the trail, it's on the rocks. The only place that didn't have ice were the trees. And it was the first time I became a true tree hugger. That is no, I, the literal sense of the word is that you, the only way you can make progress is that you have to grab the next tree limb to pull yourself along. It was precarious when it was level. It got even worse when it was up and down. And some of it was, uh, well, to put it this way, one of the persons who passed us as we're hugging trees, and they have on their microspikes, and we tried to buy them from them, by the way, but they would not sell them at any price, not even one. We thought you'd get by with one. They wouldn't do that. Uh, as they inched, went on by us, here we are hugging trees along their way. They said to us, and we met them at the end of that day at the, sh at the hut, they said, I don't know how you could possibly do what you just did, because... Uh, for five and a half miles, we walked across ice, hugging on trees. Now, at one particular spot, I decided, you know, we came to a slope down. It was not terrible down, you not, not drop off the side of the mountain kind, but it was nice. It was a slope, and it was clear and wide, and I decided I'm tired of grabbing trees. I don't know what to do. I'm going to sit down, put on my rain pants. I sat down on the surface and thought, I'm just going to control my slide you're laughing too soon. I control my slide down. It was about a 50-foot slide, and about 10 yards into it, I became aware that I was not in control anymore. And that was a very exciting feeling uh, because I realized you have no brakes, Glenn. There's no brakes on you whatsoever. And I look down, and, and outside of my long chute, there's a curve, and then I go into the trees. And I thought, this is not good. It really is not good. But I see a rock in the middle of the trail. 
it's probably another 10 yards in front of me, and I have an idea. I know what, when I hit that rock, my feet are going to hit on it. It's going to stop me. And I'm going to grab it with my arm before I go by. I hit that rock right over the top of it. No, I don't know where it was. The only thing I knew is after I went on the rock, I'm no longer sitting up. I'm laying on my back and sliding sideways. And I'm going, this is not good either. I'm still not in control. I have no brakes. I don't know where I'm going. But I do look up, and there's a tree passing which I can reach. So I grab and hug another tree. And it pulls me off to the side, and I am thankful. And when I do that, along comes two couples with their microspikes, <laughs> inching their way down the trail, carefully, talking to us. How did you do that? It was entertaining to them. And, and, and Andy, with his size 13 and a half foot shoe, finds that he can sit down like I did, put that big old honker on the ground, flat, and can control his way down. That was not fair. Uh, it was not fair. I learned that there's an essential equipment. The fact is, I, you're not going to be able to, to, to recognize it, but on the shoe, there's spikes on the bottom that were not there that day. And it was a good shoe made for lots of places. And I, I, I've thought about it over and over, and never did anyone say to me, Glenn, you really should have those for you to be able to do it. But I learned in that day, it dawned on me, I didn't have brakes, I only had trees. I wasn't equipped, and not being equipped when life gets difficult can be disastrous. I told uh, Andy afterwards, I said, you know, if our wives could see what we're doing, they would knock us over the head, because one of us is going to get hurt today if we don't prove. Now, I fell about 10 times that day, and that was the, okay, I didn't get hurt. Things kept going. How do you get equipped? To be equipped as a Christian, he'd say to us, we need to know the scriptures, the Bible. I don't mean just have one. So like having all the gear which I packed in my pack did not make me a hiker. It's not till you get out on the trail and start to do it that you're really a hiker. For you and I to be Christians is not just to have some information. It's not just to have it. It's but when we begin to use it. He's calling us into that kind of life. Not alone, but together. We often can learn in classes and from each other. It's about a faith that we need to attend to, a worship that should be strong and frequent in our patterns of life, and then adding to that role in our life a way of helping others in Jesus' name. We do those things, God can use us. He knows what we need. Some people are minimalist. You know what those are in the uh, hiking world? It's the people who carry absolute the least. I know one hiker in the month of July in, in Vermont didn't carry a sleeping bag. The next morning he told me how bad it was at 55 degrees to sleep without any sleeping bag. I've seen people go without tents or hammocks, simply sleeping on the ground or in a shelter if one is near. I've seen people with no fuel to cook with or a stove to cook on. They simply ate power bars and peanuts, and they had no coffee. Can you stand that? They go all that time, never have coffee to drink. And the true minimalist cuts the handle off of his toothbrush. Can you believe that? All in the event to carry the least you can carry, as long as you have what is essential, the things that will give order to your life and faith 
is what we're looking for. I invite you to think about equipping your faith. I take the responsibility as your pastor. In our ordination vows, it says, I tend to the ordering of the life of the church. That is, to set in it a healthy pattern of how you live. That's what I should be able to do as your pastor. But it also means other leaders are doing the same. It means that families are doing that with their children. You parents are. It means that everyone takes that responsibility as well as you. We are responsible to be equipped for the faith that we can be prepared for what God puts in front of us. And we give our witness to him.